It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, January 6th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. On tonight's California Report, Cal OSHA, the state's workplace health and safety regulator, has cited a for-profit prison company for violations. Then, even though rain is dumping on California, 98% of the state remains in a drought. These stories and more up ahead. We've got your local news and weekend weather report before longtime friend of the station, John McCutcheon, sits down with KVMR's Felton Pruitt. The two discuss the folk multi-instrumentalist performance at the Center for the Arts in downtown Grass Valley this Saturday evening. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Many places in California are getting a much-needed respite from storm weather today, allowing authorities and property owners to assess damage that's been done. In Santa Cruz County, for instance, that includes ocean surges that damaged a wharf and piers in Capitola and Sea Cliff. Coastal streets were also flooded, damaging homes and businesses. Meanwhile, San Francisco experienced its wettest 10-day period of weather in more than 150 years. That's according to the National Weather Service. All that rainfall has been especially tough on the Bay Area's unhoused population. KQED's Aaron Baldessari reports on that. Manaz Saberi has been living at a homeless encampment in Oakland for the past four years. She was comfortable in her tent until the most recent storm wiped out everything she owns. At this very second, I don't have anything. My tent was blown down. The hardest part for Saberi hasn't been the rain or the wind. It's the unrelenting cold and knowing that the next storm is just days away. It's very hard to like, I can't prepare for the next day to just fight to be alive anymore. The city opened nearly 200 shelter beds to offer some respite for unhoused residents, but at last count, there are more than 3,300 people living in tents or cars. For the California Report, I'm Erin Baldessari. The big storms have, of course, eased drought conditions across the state, but not as much as you might think given the deluge. 98% of California is still in some state of drought. KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero explains. As of last week, before the past two big storms, the South San Joaquin Valley was the only part of the state in the exceptional drought category, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. It's now been demoted to extreme drought. The data does not include the results from this week's powerful storm. Much of the Bay Area and Southern California are still experiencing severe drought conditions. But that could change by next month, with at least two atmospheric rivers in the forecast. Climate scientists say all the rain will help with drought in the near term, but it'll take more than just a few storms to erase the effects of a multi-year drought. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero. And there's other news beyond the weather. Governor Gavin Newsom holds his inaugural celebration in Sacramento later this morning. As KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer reports, it's no accident that Newsom chose January 6th to do it. 
The day begins with a mid-morning march from Tower Bridge in Sacramento to the state capitol, where Newsom will be sworn in for a second term. The governor chose the anniversary of the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol to highlight the threat to democracy and the importance of fair elections. Newsom's new chief of staff, Dana Williamson. What this really is about is sort of highlighting the uniqueness of California, but that we are proud of the democracy and the type of freedom that we live here and that we can all kind of, you know, stand together and not try to take over the Capitol. Next week, Newsom will release the first draft of his new state budget with a $24 billion shortfall looming. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Central Valley Congressman Kevin McCarthy failed to secure the Speaker's gavel for a third day as the House of Representatives held an 11th round of voting in Washington yesterday. McCarthy needs 218 votes to assume the Speaker position, but remains way short. Back home in Bakersfield, McCarthy's constituents are watching closely, some in horror, but others with glee. KVPR's Joshua Yeager reports. The lunch service is bustling at Luigi's. This traditional Italian deli is a Bakersfield institution and stronghold of support for Congressman McCarthy. Grower Dennis Costa fumes at fellow Republicans as he exits the eatery. He says they are keeping the, quote, Bakersfield boy from inheriting the powerful speaker's gavel. They're just making nonsense. Under McCarthy's leadership, Costa hopes Congress will help the region's struggling oil industry. He's uh, supportive of the ag industry and takes care of a lot of our needs. He's a very fine congressman. About a mile west, the crowd at popular Cafe Smitten trends younger, hipper. Sipping cappuccinos and carrying tote bags, they present a different side of a city that's been the butt of online jokes. Kevin McCarthy's not representative of all that's happening in Bakersfield. That's John Luxlegle, a frequent patron. He says people outside of Bakersfield have the wrong idea of the place. It's just an easy target to pick on as a place that's a little bit behind the times. I don't think that's always fair. I think there's some really cool things happening in the city. Whether the traditional Luigi's crowd or Slagle's vision of Bakersfield prevails is to be determined with McCarthy's political future uncertain. For the California Report, I'm Joshua Yeager in Bakersfield. California's workplace health and safety regulators have cited a for-profit prison company for violations. KQD's Farida Javala Romero reports. Galosha inspectors have cited the GEO Group, which runs the Golden State Annex facility, for six violations, including a serious one. No plan to reduce workers' risk of exposure to diseases that spread through the air, like COVID-19. This is a huge victory. Lisa Knox with the California Collaborative for Immigrant Justice helped detainees file their complaint to Kalosha, alleging the facility failed to follow COVID protections, among other things. These detainees clean showers and bathrooms for $1 a day. These detained workers are workers, and they, you know, they're in detention, um, but they're still entitled to the same health and safety protections that all workers in California get. Proposed penalties total more than $100,000. A GEO spokesman says the company has appealed the citation. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area, Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, 
on the web at schmidtfutures.com. And that, listeners, is the California Report for Friday, January 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Here are the fine people who make this show possible. Our engineers are Jim Bennett, Seal Muller, Chris Hoff, and Chris Beal. Our producers are Daphne Young, Amanda Stupai, and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Erica Kelly. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Let's take a look at today's local news. A North San Juan resident was arrested by the Nevada County Sheriff's Department Thursday for murder. According to a joint report from Ubinet and Nevada County District Attorney Jesse Wilson, Maria Caratero appears in Superior Court today. The District Attorney's Office filed a complaint against Caratero, which alleges a violation of Penal Code Section 187, murder. On October 30th, a caller reported to 911 that a family member named Jacob Beaker was missing. Following the call, the Nevada County Sheriff's Office opened an investigation. Detectives with the NCSO learned that Jacob was last seen with Maria Caratero on her property in a remote area of North San Juan. After further investigation, detectives discovered Beaker's remains in a trailer that was recently burned. The trailer had previously been occupied by the defendant. After concluding their investigation, the NCSO sent the case to the Nevada County District Attorney's Office to review. The district attorney proceeded to file charges and issue an arrest warrant. The KVMR News Desk will continue to monitor developments in this story. Shortly past 8 a.m. this morning, Nevada Union High School Principal Kelly Roden emailed students and families about a potential bomb threat at the school. Roden says law enforcement notified the school's administration of the threat earlier this morning. The alleged threat came from a Boston-based phone number. The caller claimed they were holding staff hostage and letting off pipe bombs. Law enforcement immediately responded with a search of Nevada Union High School. After clearing all campus buildings, they reported no threat was found. The school was then cleared to resume as normal. However, Roden says law enforcement remained present on site throughout the day. No additional news on the origins of the threat or the possibility of further investigation has been shared at this time. Now turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service. After today's brief break, a series of strong storms move across the region beginning Saturday and continuing into next week. They'll bring more rain, high elevation snow, and gusty winds. The heavy precipitation means flooding threats and mountain travel impacts are still very possible. The heaviest rain is predicted for Monday, along with high snow levels. Be mindful, these continued periods of moderate to heavy rain on already saturated soils can lead to rapidly developing roadway and urban flooding with impassable roadways. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight rain mainly after 4 a.m., cloudy with a steady temperature around 42 degrees. Saturday, rain with a high near 47. Winds could gust as high as 32 miles per hour that afternoon and nearly 40 miles per hour that evening. The National Weather Service has issued a flood watch beginning late Saturday night through Wednesday afternoon. Sunday, rain with a high near 47. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 22 degrees. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 35. 
Snow arrived Saturday night, mainly after 10 p.m. Residents could see 3 to 5 inches with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Sunday, snow and gusts up to 35 miles per hour with a high near 36 degrees. In Sacramento and Woodland, tonight a small chance of rain after 11 p.m., cloudy with a low around 47 degrees. Saturday, rain likely mainly after 11 a.m. with a high near 54. Sunday, rain with a high near 56 and gusts up to 34 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Coming up, a KVMR family reunion. Folk singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist John McCutcheon speaks with KVMR's Felton Pruitt about his annual pilgrimage back to Nevada County. We're talking with John McCutcheon, a very longtime friend and supporter of KVMR Radio. John's going to be performing at the Center for the Arts this Saturday, 7 p.m., and a benefit for KVMR. John, always thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. It's a treat to get back to the Grass Valley, Nevada City area. And, of course, to work with Peter Wilson and the Center for the Arts and the cherry on the top is that it's all going to benefit KVMR. Yeah, wonderful stuff. So the first question i got to ask you is, how many baseball gloves do you own? (laughs) I own two. Well, I own two, and I have my catcher's mitt from when I was a kid. Really? Really? So you've got... Yeah. And well, it, and I have I have to have that one because it's got Del Crandall's signature on it. My gosh, so cool stuff! You always have to have two gloves. I I tell people because you can't play catch with one glove. You need a ball and two gloves. Well, I actually my my two grandchildren who live nearest me each have a glove, and it lives at my house. And when we when they come over, you know I. Uh, I never played catch with my dad. He was a traveling salesman. Um, I had a I had a rubber ball and the side of the house until my mother kicked me over to the school <laughs> playground. So it's it, it's uh, playing catch is a loaded thing for me. And I my sons and I played catch endlessly in our front yard when they were growing up. And uh, so my grandkids are uh, suffering the same fate. I bring it all up because, of course, you had an album called Sermon on the Mound, which was just baseball tunes. Yep, yep. And I have not stopped writing baseball tunes, actually. I just, my next recording project is going to be with Tom Paxton. He and I have been writing every Monday afternoon for almost two years now. And we, um, a writing session for us is an hour long, and we spend the first at least 20, 25 minutes talking sports, telling jokes. And just catching up. And then we write for about, you know, anywhere from 15 to 35 minutes. And we keep revisiting sports allegorical stories. And, um, yeah, they keep, they just keep coming up. It's quite remarkable. Well, that's great to hear that uh, Tom's retirement is going so well, since I did his retirement interview six or seven years ago, it seems. <laughs> and, you know, he's still out there. Doing it, and in fact, we're talking about maybe this tour next year doing it with Tom, which would be a treat for me. Oh, that would be wonderful, yeah. uh, He recently turned 85, and he's still writing. He's the easiest person I've ever written with. 
and the fact that he's one of my best pals is just a, you know, a bow on the whole thing. He's my hero in that he proves to me every Monday afternoon that writing songs and being creative is something you can do your entire life. I mean, I mean, we could have been football players or something. <laughs> we'd, be ret- we'd be retired for decades by now. So, yeah, feel pretty. It's it's a it's a joy to write with him. Okay, so my second question is: How many different musical instruments do you own? Oh God, I have absolutely no idea. I'm not a collector, and I'm not, uh, you know, like my buddy Steve Earle is like kind of like a guitar hoarder. He's got three or four hundred. I think he told me four hundred guitars. And he moved from Nashville to Greenwich Village. And I saw him on the street one day and I said, what do you do with all your instruments? He said, I had to buy a house in Woodstock. <laughs> just to put the instruments. And, and in fact, I'm just going through a thing with a concertina right now, a really beautiful instrument made in Scotland. Um, that I'm, I'm actually sending back to the builder because I said, this is too beautiful an instrument for me to play this rarely. So I have this kind of ethical thing where if I'm not playing an instrument regularly, it, it would be wrong for me to keep it because it needs to sing. But I have, I'm sitting in my studio here and, oh golly, I've got probably 20 different instruments of all different sorts, mandolas, mandolins. I have a, a, a nickel harpa and a hardanger fiddle and different banjos and auto harps and different things around and I play them uh, on a regular basis just because I I'm a great lover of sound. So on Saturday night, how many different instruments will you be bringing onto the stage with you? Well, I've decided I had hand surgery this year and uh, right after I was out there in June and the recovery has been complicated and I cannot play the fiddle to my satisfaction right now. So um, I'll have a guitar, banjo, an auto harp, a piano, hammer dulcimer. And then I'm contemplating bringing this gut string copy of a a minstrel banjo from the mid-19th century that is fretless and just the funkiest instrument I own. And I just thought it would be fun to bring it because I have sort of a free pass for some instrument. And the cool thing about playing at the Center for the Arts is you get to play Super Tramp's Steinway. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, there are some places I play on this tour where they have an electronic keyboard for me. Um, and granted, they're a whole lot better than they used to be. They can, they can actually sound piano-esque, but to get a nice big Steinway, you yeah. know, with nine feet of string in front of you, it's, there's nothing else like it. We're talking with John McCutcheon. He's going to be performing at the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley this Saturday night, 7 p.m. It's a benefit for our our beautiful radio station, KVMR. And as I remember, there was a guy named Utah Phillips that kind of got you involved with Nevada City (laughs) and KVMR, and you started coming out, and you fell in love with us, I heard. Well, Utah and I were just—musicians don't get to hang as much as people probably think— that we do uh, because you try not to be in the same town on the same night working. 
and the other time you're at a festival and that's those are our conventions festivals that's the reason that musicians go to fe- you know it's not to play in front of thousands of people it's the fact that that's the only place you can go where people who do the same kind of work you do uh are and they convince you that you're not crazy and that you're not alone um and utah and i would always somehow end up doing a good hang at a festival and uh, when i started coming out to california pretty regularly in january's 40 years ago he just called me up one day and he said hey you know there's this radio station that does thursday night live shows at the miners foundry and I forget what that. Do you remember what the name of that show was? It was, it was something like night, nighttime, or nightlife. Uh, yes, yeah, uh, nighttime. I think it was. And uh, so I came out, and um, and it was a, it was really an excuse to visit Utah, and for us to be able to spend more time than a, a festival affords. And um, and then it, it kind of felt right. Um, I loved the audience. I certainly loved the radio station. And uh, we just decided to keep doing it. And uh, it's a a lovely habit. Well, I think that you endeared yourself to our town. When uh, Utah passed away, you came out for his memorial and spoke out at uh, Pioneer Park, where we were all gathered to uh, celebrate Utah's life. At a baseball field, of course. Yeah, of course. And Utah used to... He used to tell me, you know, that I, I live not far from the Little League field, and I walked down there, and uh, he was complaining to me one day that he he would go to the concession stand, and they would refuse to sell him a hot dog, because they'd say, we know you have congestive heart failure, you shouldn't be eating this. <laughs> and he would rail to me saying, How can you go to a baseball stadium and not eat a damn hot dog during a game? And I remember during the uh, during the memorial service, the concession stand was open and they were selling a quarter pound hot dog with cheese and sour cream. Oh. And they called it the Utah dog. <laughs> and I had to get one and eat it in Utah's honor. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I guess he could get a beet hot dog or something nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. In, in any event, it was, um, well, it was, a, Joanna uh, called me to let me know when Utah passed away and asked me if I wouldn't come out and deliver one of the eulogies. And it was, it was something that was an honor to do and something I felt I needed to do for me to just say out loud because that's a lot of what this work is you're saying out loud what you feel needs to be said or what people want to hear or what people need to hear um and that's part of the trick of of doing this work and um somehow we mutually need one another for an evening every january and i'm glad for the first time in three years we're actually able to do it back in january well, you're going to be saying a bunch of words this Saturday night at the Center for the Arts. We've been talking with John McCutcheon. John, thank you so much, and we look forward to the show on Saturday. Great. Can't wait to get out there. Thanks a lot. That's our newscast for this Friday, January 6th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you. And 
Nevada County Citizens for Choice, promoting reproductive justice and equitable reproductive health care access, advocacy, education with compassionate services for women, men, and teens. Learn more at citizensforchoice.org. And Mother Truckers and Natural Selection, now serving the community with online shopping and curbside pickup in Grass Valley and on the San Juan Ridge. Online ordering at naturalselectiongrocery.com or mothertruckersgrocery.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend and stay dry out there.